Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. to bounce back after a devastating loss to Baylor at home. But the big question is, will Jalen Daniels play or not play for Kansas? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. Before we get started, as always, a quick word from our sponsors, Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. I needed the break. I needed the couple day break. It was rough. It was tough sledding for a couple days there. Uh, obviously, if you watched our post-game reaction video, which many of you did, we are um, deeply humbled and thankful for the many of you that have been watching the videos. I think three out of our last four have hit over a 1,000 views, and we greatly appreciate it. Um, definitely last video, you were watching our, our sadness and are hurt, um, but many of you were um, dealing with that same thing with us. So, hopefully, we've all moved on. It's always going to be a little bit hurtful for this season, but we're going to move on. We're moving on to Kansas, but this is a tough game to kind of moving and flipping the page uh, to go to a tough team, and that's why you really needed to win Baylor. But listen, this is now a must-win, and we're going to get in it tonight. Uh, Mr. Robert Husby. Rob, again, we're not going to go into it. We'll read a couple comments. Some comments, I mean, I will say our fans can uh, write some some better essays than I ever did in school because, I mean, I, reading your guys' essays when we lose is amazing. But uh, Rob, kind of how have the last couple days been for you kind of just moving on past this loss and looking ahead to a tough, tough, tough Kansas team? Not easy for the Knights. Yeah, I think I'm finally over the loss. Uh, you know, I say I say that, uh, but you know, listen, we're we're a few days out from this next game. I think we all kind of have to move past this. Life goes on, football goes on. So, listen, does it suck? Yes. Was it a turning point in this UCF season? Absolutely. But now UCF needs to use it as sort of a bounce back to say, hey. We are not getting embarrassed like that again. And obviously, they're on the road. It's going to be a lot tougher. Uh, Kansas is a very good team, much better than they were last year. Um, but, you know, listen, I, this UCF team needs to be looking themselves in the mirror, looking them, looking each other in the eye and saying, we got to be better than this. And we need a big bounce back. And, and to get, you know, a road victory against a good team in the Big 12 uh, before you get a bye week and take you know, another road trip, which is arguably going to be the most 
challenging game of the season for the Knights. Uh, this is one where UCF needs to really bounce back and, and have that sort of game where you say, wow, okay, maybe this team can't still take strides this season. Yeah, and I want to read one comment. I mean, obviously, you are just, look, you have to move on, right? This is the Power Five UCF in these two games. I get it. They were both losses, but UCF has proven, and they look the part. Ultimately, you should have beat Baylor. You didn't. You fumbled in the fourth quarter, and you lost the game. But UCF has proven in these last two games, at least, that they look the part. They're supposed to be here. They have the roster. They have the players to be here, and I believe they have the coach. Now, Steven Lopez, um, he commented in our last video. And he said, I'm going to put this out there. The Guff staff will never take UCF to the promised land, period, guarantee. Start looking for a new young assistant coach from a winning school, and then we may have a chance. There's a pattern with Gus. That's why he lost the Auburn job, and that's a fact. Sorry to be critical, but this team is the Vanderbilt football team in the SEC, now in the Big 12. I really hope I'm wrong, but I'm putting it out there. Let's wait and see. There were many other comments, and a lot of people on Twitter were you know, coming for Gus's head. And it came to my mind before we move on to Kansas because Kansas is the main focus. We're moving on from the Baylor. For anybody that's saying, fire Gus. I was talking to a couple buddies about this and we've had this conversation, Rob. Okay, you fired Gus Malzahn, who has, in the last two years, had your top recruiting classes in your school's history. Is probably going to break that record again this year. I'm probably going to break that record again for 2025, Right. So that's going to be three or four straight recruiting classes that has beat the previous school record, right? Okay, Gus has lost some games that UCF should have won. That was his problem at Auburn, there's no question. The ECU loss, a game you should have won, you got blown out. The Navy loss, 14-13, to 13, I think. A game that you could have hosted the conference title game, but you lose and you have to go on the road, which ultimately hurt you. The USF close nail-biter where they came back and almost lost it. And then obviously the Baylor loss. Gus Malzahn also beat two top 25 teams last year in Cincinnati and Tulane, albeit one on the road at Tulane. So Gus Malzahn, yes, he wins the big games that you don't expect him to win. That's why when people are like going, oh, I'll get Gus Malzahn out, I think it's absolutely ridiculous because, again, you say go get a young assistant. Okay, let's do that. Go get a young assistant, up-and-coming coach. What's to say that young up-and-coming coach doesn't have success here? And doesn't pull out really good wins and top 25 berths and everything like that. Who's to say another job is not going to go take him just like they took Frost and Heupel? And then you have to do the same process over again. Gus Malzahn's the man for the job. Now, granted, he can't keep losing games like this. And if it keeps continuing to happen, then yes, in a year or two or three, you're going to have to start questioning it. But I think Gus Malzahn has proven enough and done enough to where, listen, this is a perfect week to prove to UCF fans, and it's the revolving funny cycle that we all joke about that Gus loses the game he shouldn't uh, lose, and then UCF fans complain, and then he wins a big game, and you're like, oh, okay, we love you again. So I just urge UCF fans that are kind of going for Gus's head every time that one of these losses happens to just take a take a chill pill for two seconds and let him cook. Let him cook. Let's see what happens at the end of the year. And let's move on. All right, let's talk Kansas. And let's see if Gus can get a big win this week. Kansas is a phenomenal football team. Lance Leipold has done an outstanding job over the last couple of years to really revitalize this Kansas program. Obviously, Kansas is a basketball school. They've never really been known as a football school. Um, it's been 
got a decade or more since Kansas was, you know, good in football. They would have, you know, one or two good seasons here or there, but they've really come along under Leipold the last couple of years. That's also been with the quarterback play and Jalen Daniels. I mean, last year, let's get they hadn't lost with Jalen Daniels. Or it may I think they were undefeated with Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels goes down, I think on the college football or the college game day game goes down and Kansas really struggled throughout the rest of that year. Um, lit it up in their bowl game. Uh, that was probably one of the best bowl games of the season. And listen, he didn't play uh, week one against Missouri State, but he played against Illinois, Nevada, and BYU. Again, undefeated in those games, albeit not that impressive. Um, Jalen Daniels is very impressive, but the Kansas team overall has not been that impressive in those games, and they obviously get blown out to Texas in a weird situation where he's supposed to play, then he has back tightness, doesn't play, and then it is Wednesday night, and he has not practiced up until this point. I hate Rob. (laughs) I hate that we, this is now the third week, where we're going into a game with the starting quarterback of the other team potentially not playing. But us fans know, for some reason, we're just on the bad luck train where most likely we're going to get the starter. Now, granted, you want to beat a team at full strength. We've been saying that. We said that about Baylor last week with Blake Shapin. I'd rather play Blake Shapin. And guess and listen, Blake Shapin went down and, and won it for Baylor. Like He won it even though UCF dominated most of the game. What do you see out of the differences in this offense between Daniels and Bean? Like, obviously, they're a completely different team. What are the challenges that both present to UCF this this game if both play or if only Bean plays or only Daniels? What kind of challenges do they both present that could cause fits for UCF? Yeah, I mean, I think historically, and by historically, I mean just look to last year where UCF struggled pretty heavily throughout the season against true dual threat quarterbacks. Um, and Jalen Daniels is the definition of a dual threat quarterback. So having to go up against like a guy like that, um, especially I think you have to prepare for him, even if you don't think he's going to play, uh, you know, ha- going up against a guy like that when UCF's defense has already been suspect against these big 12 teams is going to be very, very uh, interesting to see how they adjust to a quarterback like Daniels. Daniels can throw, uh, he can run, He's, uh, you know, listen, and again, like you said, he completely changes how that offense plays. Kansas has a top offense in the country. I mean, this is a really good team. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, with Jalen Daniels, you have that dual threat, you know, uh, dual quarterback threat that you have to deal with and you have to prepare for that. Then you also have to worry about the run game. They got a really good run game as well. And let's be honest, UCF's run defense hasn't been very good. They got carved up against Baylor last week. Uh, just wait and see, uh, you know, what somebody like Jalen Daniels can do, uh, coupled with, with that running back offense. So then you look at a guy like Bean and listen, this is another guy. He's a senior. He's got that veteran leadership. Um, you know, he does bring an interesting dynamic. He's a little bit more, you know, sees the offense in the air a little bit more, and then they'll rely on the run a little bit, uh, because they don't have Jalen Daniels in there running the ball himself. Um, so they'll rely on the run game a little bit more. And again, that can present that same challenge to UCF where UCF's going to have to load up and hope the defensive line can push through. Um, again, defensive line linebackers were tested last week. They were tested against Kansas state. And in my opinion, they failed both times. So 
you know, they really need to adjust to what this Kansas offense can do because I don't think they've quite seen what a really good Big 12 offense can do. Kansas State's good, and and Baylor, obviously, I think, you know, I think UCF was obviously caught flat-footed in that fourth quarter, but they handled Baylor in the first three quarters. You know, against Kansas, you can't take any quarter off because this team is going to make you pay in the red zone, on the ground, in the air. They are going to make you pay if you don't put full force on them. And so it's going to be a very challenging day for the defense. I'm very concerned, but also very intrigued to see how uh, Addison Williams and this defense adjust to them. Yeah, before the season, I think when we were making our predictions, I think most of us, I remember Nick's, you know, prediction and my prediction a little bit more because me and you made our like early, early preseason prediction. But we said this is going to be a dogfight. Both teams are going to score a lot of points because both defenses are about average to below average. And it's basically going to come down to a field goal make or whoever has the ball last. And I kind of still feel that way. Um, now, with Jalen Daniels seeing our defense and, and knowing how Jalen Daniels plays, that can get a little bit scary because you saw what Will Howard and his limited uh, running ability. I mean, Will Howard can run it, but he he's not as, again, he is not a Jalen Daniels type runner, obviously. Our defense really didn't handle that well. So I think this week specifically for the defense, it's going to really have, like they said, this defense has reiterated uh, to all of the press and everything that their communication is top-notch. It's on point. They, they're they so good at communicating. This is the week where that's going to need to be a focal point because if you guys are not communicating, if the defense doesn't know who they're lined up against and and what they're, you know, if they're not on their P's and Q's, it's going to get ugly. Like, Kansas can score fast. They can kill you both ways. They can throw the ball. They can run the ball. So, I agree, and unfortunately, UCF's banged up. Like Now, granted, a lot of teams are banged up, right? Again, this is three straight weeks we're talking about a starting quarterback being out. UCF, John Rice Plumley has been out. Um, so that's going to be a question mark, right? Can the defensive line, I'm assuming Ricky Barber will sit out this game because, again, they keep trying to play him, and he always kind of goes out after the first series. So it should be interesting. Let's talk about the quarterback on UCF side, right? Again, John Rice Plumley, I guess, was cleared last Friday. Up in the air on, you know, if he was going to play or not. We all kind of figured that wouldn't happen last week. My prediction from everything that I heard was he's going to play against Oklahoma. You get the bye week before and you, you play him back. We also heard Gus last week say, we're probably going to make a decision by Wednesday on who's going to be the starter, who's playing. I would be, I don't want to say shocked, because I think at the end of the day, you're 3-2. and two. This is a game that is kind of a toss-up. Like, this is probably one of, if not the best offenses you'll see all year. I think the coaching staff is probably feeling it a little bit after that loss to Baylor. I think if you beat Baylor, I think it's a no question you sit John Rice this week. Now that you lose to Baylor... My fear is the coaching staff will potentially try and rush him back this week. Like, if he's 80%, they're going to be like, you know, we'll play him. If I had to best guess it, I say we don't see John Rice this week. I think it is all just a smokescreen to try and catch Kansas off guard, make them be like, who's playing, who's not. Just like I think what Kansas is doing to us. 
Because at the end of the day, we don't know if Jalen Daniels is playing or not. We won't see until Saturday. So I think UCF is playing that same game, Sam. John Rice is cleared. We'll see what happens during the week. What do you think, Rob, again? I think it'd be different if there was a game next week. But because there's a bye, because there's a bye week right in between that Oklahoma game, what sense do you get? Obviously, again, John Rice just started practicing this week. Kind of feels like one of those situations where you sit the quarterback out one more week and and push him into the bye week kind of fully healthy. But again, this is a must-win game for the Knights. I mean, if you lose this game, you go to 3-3, three and three, and your season starts to look a little bit more bleak because it's almost must-wins the entire back end of the season when you uh, get past Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get into a you know rock and a hard place here. You're kind of in this situation where, you know, kind of the the worst case scenario happened where UCF loses to Baylor, and now I think the coaching staff probably feels a little bit more pressure that well, John Rice is cleared. Well, you know, we really this is a crucial crucial game. If you lose this, now you're zero three in the Big Twelve. How much faith do you have going in? Even with the bye week, how much faith do you have in? this team going into Oklahoma and winning that probably not much. I, I think you're looking at 0 four in the big 12. So yeah, I mean, it's going to kind of force their hand where they're looking at this and saying, listen, how much do we actually think John Rice moves a needle here? If you think that this is going to be a close game, like you said, Sean, if you think this is going to be a field goal game, well, how much do you think John Rice moves the needle? And that's where they're going to look at, you know, if John Rice can get you an extra touchdown or two, because, you know, he gives you that mobility that Timmy really doesn't have. Timmy, you know, isn't isn't bad on his feet, but John Rice, you know, unlocks a whole nother level of a mobile quarterback. So if you think John Rice can make those still still make those runs and hopefully slide a little bit more, you know, against a Kansas defense that listen, their run defense is not good. It might be it probably is worse than UCF. I think statistically it is, too. So. You know, UCF going against a a pretty mediocre run defense and having a guy, a mobile quarterback like John Rice in there, absolutely is something to think about. But at the same time, I'm more on your side. I don't want him to play. I don't think he should play. I think this is a game where, listen, I think regardless, both defenses aren't spectacular. They're pretty, they're pretty bang average, below average, but you know, if it comes to it, I don't think Timmy's going to have a problem throwing the ball on this team. I don't think the the run game, hopefully the run game has improved um, because they didn't have a great showing against Baylor. Uh, you know, with the exception of Johnny Richardson, I really need to see more out of that run game. So if you think you can win it on the ground and you think Timmy can do enough to keep you close and maybe get you the victory, I don't think you need to start John Rice and, and really worry about him getting re-hurt because that, that to me is the bigger concern. If John Rice isn't 100%, do you really want him running and taking hits again and potentially re-injuring himself? Because that next injury is going to be 10 times worse and he's going to be out the season. So I, I really don't think you risk it. Yeah, and I think ultimately, you know, obviously, in my view, this is a must-win. Last week was a must-win because, you know, you tried to look at it from a got to get your first one in the Big 12. This is the perfect place to do it. You're against a struggling team this season, and they didn't get it done. This week, we assumed it was going to be a loss. Coming into the game, we were like, Ugh, this is one of those games, probably the best offense you're going to see. I get everybody will say Oklahoma. I think this is a harder offense to prepare for than Oklahoma because of, again, if Jalen Daniels plays, you have a completely different element that Dylan Gabriel, sock boy, just doesn't provide. 
Uh, now, Dylan Gabriel, his accuracy um, is just out of this world. I mean, he will carve up the UCF defense just like Will Howard did. There's no question. But I think when you get into those red zone opportunities, Kansas is 11th in red zone offense. We've said it. 11th in red zone offense. That's going to be a struggle. Now, UCF red zone defense is 64th. So, I mean, can you stop them, you know, two out of five times? Can you stop them three out of five times and really kind of limit their possessions there? UCF kind of the last couple of games has been notorious for bend, don't break. Clearly, last game, they tried to do that in the fourth quarter. Didn't work out so hot for them. So, I think heading into this game, it's for John Rice Plumley specifically. I get you want to win the game. I get it's a huge game for you moving kind of forward. You definitely would rather be 4-2 and two heading into the bye than 3-3, three and three, and I get that. But ultimately, you're going on the road, hostile environment, probably going to be a sold-out crowd, going up against a tough team. I wouldn't want to put John Rice in that situation. Now, granted, it's like, would you want to throw him in there against Oklahoma? I don't know, but I know giving him that extra two weeks to really heal up, be 100%. And again, if you told me John Rice is 85, 90%, I would still say sit him because ultimately what happened when we played him against Tulane last year in the conference championship, right? You guys set up, he's a little banged up, but he should be all right. And what, you know, you pulled him because he wasn't 100%. What makes John Rice special is just what makes Jalen Daniels special. The ability to run the football, the athleticism of the quarterback. If the quarterback is at 80%, 20% of that quarterback is not going to be the same John Rice Plumley. And ultimately, you have a long season ahead. We've said, if you're three and four, now granted, I'm not saying this is the case. I'm not saying this is my prediction. If you're three and four going into West Virginia, now granted, I mean, you could lose to West Virginia too. West Virginia is a good football team, which we didn't expect. But I mean, you still have a chance for a bowl game. By winning out. You have winnable games that last four weeks. But I think Gus is probably seeing the white. The only way I see John Rice playing. Is if John Rice kind of. Looks good enough in practice. To where he feels confident. And Gus kind of looks at the schedule. And says. "Hmm, We have winnable games against Kansas and West Virginia. Oklahoma is winnable. But not. I don't think with our defense. It's as winnable as it could be. Because I don't think Oklahoma is really that good. I think they're frauds. I think they are one of the best teams in the Big 12, but they're beatable. I mean, they only beat SMU 28-11. to If SMU could just... And again, Cincinnati, they only beat Cincy 20-6. to And if you Cincinnati got in the red zone a bunch. So Oklahoma's beatable. And I know we're just talking about the next couple weeks, but it's good to get that picture of, listen, if you can sit John Rice the extra week and get the bye week, Going into Oklahoma, that'll give you your best chance at Oklahoma. If you are in dire need right now, which, listen, you need a must win, and you don't have the confidence that Timmy McClain can go out and win that game for you, you got to put John Rice in. But I think for his health alone, if he is not 100%, Timmy has proven that he can win you a game. Well, yes, because he won against Villanova. The last two weeks, (laughs) he makes mistakes. He makes mistakes. That's on coaching. That's on Timmy. Um, but I think Timmy has proven enough to where against a defense like Kansas, which is, I mean, not bad, but not good. 67th, about the same as UCF's defense. He can, he can go out and win a game. Now, maybe you keep John Rice to act, you, you make him active. And if the game's not going well, you throw in John Rice and see what happens. 
or throw him in as just an option. Like, don't play John Rice and maybe throw him in for throw him in for two um two plays. It's just hey, don't run him, but like it gives them the threat. Like, oh, he's gonna run this and then throw a deep ball or something like that. I know we've been talking about quarterbacks for way too long on this pod, but I think it's good to this game is completely different. If John Rice is 100% and Jalen Daniels is 100%, and when we say 100%, we basically mean like 80 because nobody's 100% at this point. This game is completely different than if Team McLean and Jason Bean is playing in this game. So at the end of the day, it's going to come down to defense. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the Kansas offense, Rob. Obviously, you have Devin Neal um, and Daniel Henshaw at running back. Devin Neal, in my opinion, is, you know, obviously we we saw DJ Giddens, right? And DJ Giddens was electric. Um, I think Devin Neal is actually potentially a better running back uh, than DJ Giddens. Now, this offensive line for Kansas is no joke either. I mean, this offensive line, uh, they, Kansas posted a stat today. They had the fewest sacks allowed in the Big 12 since the start of the 2022 season. They have only allowed 17 sacks, with this, which is ninth, ninth fewest in that span. Again, you're going up against an offensive line that doesn't allow you to get to the quarterback. And again, that's that could be swayed a little bit because of Jalen Daniels' escapability in the pocket. But again, you go look at the defense and you say, listen, you got to get pressure on the quarterback. But especially with these running backs, I mean, Devin Neal has almost 500 yards of, of rushing this season and has 13 receptions for 155 yards and a touchdown. What would you like to see out of the run defense again? I feel like they did a lot better against Baylor. I think it just kind of spilled out in the fourth, and that was a lot of throwing the ball. This is, again, another running back that's really going to test UCF's run defense. And our run defense, you, you're you not too far off. I mean, Kansas's run defense is 73rd. We're 92nd. So we are worse than Kansas at run defense. We're one of the worst in the country. But again, I mean, kind of, what do you need to see out of the defense this week? What's a good stat line for Devin Neal where you're like, and and Daniel Henshaw. I mean, both of them. Like, Daniel Henshaw has 279 yards. Um, I think he's he has more yards than any other season this year. So it's like, what do you need to see out of the defense? How many yards can this defense give up rushing the ball for a UCF win? Is it 150? If they break 200, is an automatic loss? Um, what do you need to see out of the rushing defense this week to kind of feel better about the weeks moving forward? Yeah, I think you gotta I think you gotta keep them contained, one fifty or under. Uh, listen, I mean, th- again, we we know how dynamic this offense is. I think you just kind of have to accept, especially with how poor overall UCF's run defense has been, uh, and the amount of broken tackles that they've you know given up this season. I mean, you saw it against Baylor, and that was on throws and run and the run where you know one tackle's broken, two tackles broken. Now a you know potential five yard play. Uh, in a second down has now turned into a first down and more, you know, you're looking at a 20 yard play off of a, off of a run off of a, off of a throw. You saw that a lot against Baylor, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, there was plays where the running backs for Baylor were just carving up that, that defensive line and just, you know, pushing it up the middle six, seven yards off rip. I mean, that's, that says it all right there. So Kansas, I think, listen, this is a much better run game, a much better running offense. So, this offensive line has proven that they can open holes for these two running backs for Hisha and, and uh, Devin Neal. Um, and you got to deal with both of them. It's not, it's not one or the other. This is a, this is a very stacked backfield. So 
you know, if, if UCF can keep them contained even a little bit, I'm not expecting them to, to, you know, completely shut them down. I don't think that's what you're looking at here. I think you're looking at a true bend don't break when it comes to the running offense of Kansas. You just need to keep them contained and you can't let them run all over you. Cause if you're giving up these 20, 30 yard plays, you're giving up all these extra yardage. Uh, when you, when you have a third down, you know, it's third and five and they run for more and from a first down and more, it's, it's going to get out of hand. And, and that's where you really can't fall to this Kansas offense. Even with with or without J- Jalen Daniels playing, you need to keep these running backs somewhat contained. Not obviously not trapped, but a little bit contained. Couple of the skill players for Kansas that you guys need to keep your eyes out on. Uh Lawrence Arnold, he's kind of been the number one receiver. Uh he's got 19 receptions for 251 yards, 6'3. So again, another big body receiver that can go up and get it. A lot of these receivers, I would not be surprised at all, to be completely honest with you, if they throw the ball a lot this week, regardless of who plays. Because again, last week against uh, Texas, I mean, Lawrence Arnold had one reception for five yards. Um, Luke Grimm, uh, basically their second leading receiver right now, 14 receptions for 177 yards. He has three touchdowns on the year. Uh, he, I think, had one reception for two yards or something like that. So... I think Kansas is really going to want to get their skill players the ball, especially after a down week last week. Try to get some confidence back up, especially against a leaky UCF defense uh, where you can do a lot of different stuff. Now UCF has kind of played again. Their defensive style this year is really give up the 10-yard, everything in front of you, don't get beat deep. That's going to be huge against this Kansas offense. I mean, not getting beat deep, making sure, again, you have a QB spy, making sure wherever, if Jalen Daniels plays you know wherever he's going. Uh, Quinn Skinner, again, 12 receptions, 173 yards, another guy uh, that can really do damage. And then the tight end, uh, Mason Fairchild, 10 receptions, 141 yards, 6'4". Um, and he had six touchdowns last year. He has zero this year. So, I mean, again, I think there's a lot of mouths to feed, especially in the red zone. They have, an, they're again, 11th in red zone offense. Scares me to death. But I think... Watch out. If I'm UCF, I am watching out for him. Because, again, when you have six touchdowns from a year before, and now we're in week six, five or six, and he's got zero, I would expect to see some uh, at least one touchdown from him. If I was betting uh, player props, I'd probably say give him a touchdown because that kind of seems like the most he's due. So hopefully he's not. Hopefully he doesn't get one, but he's he's definitely due. For sure. Um, let's talk defense really quick for Kansas. Obviously, Rob, Kansas has not been known for their defense. I mean, that was a very apparent last year. Teams can put up points. This year, I mean, again, I don't consider Texas to be as good on offense as people. Texas is not an offensive team. They're just a good all-around team. But, I mean, they let Missouri State score 17. Illinois put up 23. Nevada put up 24. BYU put up 27, and then they gave up 40 to Texas. They're 67th in total defense, 73rd in rushing defense, and then 125th in red zone defense. That is, I think, basically the worst in the country. There's only a couple teams that are worse than them. They are 125th in red zone offense. That's where this game kind of gets interesting, Rob, right? Because UCF, again, they are 4th in total offense, 3rd in rushing offense, which, again... The fact that UCF is still top 10 in total offense, it just shows you, for all the fans that maybe are annoyed, it's like UCF moves the ball. They move the ball. It's the red zone. Red zone offense is 116th in the country. 
UCF, this is where when you look, we could, you could have listened to everything we just said, and you could throw it out the window if you want. I think what's going to make this game interesting is how bad Kansas's red zone defense is and how good UCF's offense is. Now, they're not good in the red zone, but if UCF can move the ball on this defense and get red zone opportunities, I think this is the week where when we're talking about a close game where UCF can really make their money in the red zone and kind of get back on track because, again, you're going up against a Kansas defense who, number one, gives up a lot in terms of yardage, and they've been average on defense this year, better than last year in my opinion, but, you know, they're good on defense or decent, but when they get when teams get in the red zone, they are breaking. They don't bend. They they completely snap. So, kind of how do you see the offense playing out this this weekend? Do you think again, regardless, Timmy McLean, John Rice Plumley, you know, what are the keys for this offense, especially against a defense um, in Kansas who has given up so much in the red zone? Yeah, I mean, if if this was if there was a game for UCF's uh, red zone offense to show up, it'd be this one. If they can't score on uh, Kansas quite a bit in the red zone, uh, that's a big concern, and that's going to throw up a lot of red flags because this is a defense that you should be scoring on in the red zone. Um, and I mean, when it's come to the season, when when UCF, especially these Big Twelve games, obviously those have been their biggest challenges. Even against Boise State, UCF looks like a chicken without its head. I mean, they they run amok. They try these wildcat plays. They end up fumbling. They end up going three and out. Uh, they're held to a field goal. It's it's a mess. It's a mess. I mean, I don't know if the I don't know if you recall um, if it was a red zone play or not. But the the fumble by R.J. Harvey last week. I mean, that says it all. They're getting pretty close to the Might red zone. Red, it, it, I think it was close, and I don't think red zone, but close enough. If close not enough. Red zone, close yeah, enough. probably one or two plays away from being in the red zone, and you give up a seventy-yard return. I mean, that says it all. UCF gets in, you know, the the defensive zone, and they're looking around, and they don't know what to do with themselves. So this is a very good chance for UCF to go up against a solid team, especially offensive-wise, and really hang with them offensively. And this is what it's going to come down to. I think it's going to come down, if you're looking at a one-score game, or you're looking uh, at a game separated by just a field goal, uh, you're going into the fourth quarter. If you're going in you know, pretty close or tied, this is what it's going to come down to. Can the amongst the worst red zone defenses hold one of the worst red zone offenses back, or vice versa? Can one of the worst red zone offenses put up points when it matters against one of the worst red zone defenses? So that's your game right there. I think that's what it comes down to: who's going to be better in the red zone, and and who's going to fold? You know, is UCF going to be able to finally sort of slay the dragon and get the monkey off their back that they've had all season in the red zone, or is Kansas? you know, going to hold them fast. And I think that's that's a big concern coming into this game because UCF needs to be able to hang off offensively and score points to to keep up with Kansas, especially if Jalen Daniel starts. Two names on the defensive line for Kansas that uh, hopefully we're not hearing their name on Saturday. Jeremy Robinson and Austin Booker. Um, Austin has four sacks on the year, and Jeremy Robinson has four and a half sacks on the year. So... They, I think they have combined for the team 13 sacks, and those guys have eight and a half of them. So, again, offensive line going to really need to step up this week. This week specifically, um, you played against probably one of the worst defensive lines in Baylor last week. I think they played pretty well. 
Um, I don't know if Caden Kittler is going to be playing this week. He kind of got banged up, so I'm assuming Bula Schmidt will be playing center this week. The offensive line has just been a roller coaster of emotions this year with a lot of mistakes, um, not really creating holes for the running backs. Hopefully they can figure something out this year uh, because, I mean, it's not getting much better into week six. Again, I think they made improvements last week, but again, you expect that out of offensive lines as they gel more and play more together. But against a, I think, decent defensive line uh, for Kansas, you have to be on your P's and Q's. And I'm sure, again, teams kind of know how they're going to play UCF, which is, you know, put a bunch of DBs back there and hopefully load up on either three or four defensive linemen and, and, and just play like that. So we'll see kind of Kansas' scheme, but it seems like it's working for some of these Big 12 teams. And, you know, who knows? But again, the offense didn't have many drives or many quality drives last week because, again, I think they scored 21 points in eight plays. So hopefully this week you can put on some longer drives, keep the defense off the field for a little bit longer, uh, and and hopefully make something happen. All right, Rob, let's go into predictions. Um, I have like two to three different predictions that I'm going to give. Um. You could do the same if you want. I think it matters more who Kansas' quarterback is than ours. But I will give you the floor. I don't even know what the spread is. I think it isn't too bad. I wish I knew the spread. Um, but give your predictions while I look for this spread and kind of give your ultimate take. Does UCF go 4-2 and two, or do we drop to 3-3 three and three heading into the bye? Well, I think you preface it perfectly, and since you're going to give three scores, uh, I don't know that I will give three scores, but I will give you A and B. A okay. is Jalen Daniels starting, B is J- uh, Jalen Daniels not starting. So, if Jalen Daniels starts, uh, I foresee a loss here. Um, and I think that's with or without John Rice playing, because I still don't think John Rice is 100%. And I think, like you said, I mean, you brought it up. If John Rice is not 100%, it's a huge hindrance to UCF and to John Rice because he can't use his legs as effectively, and he's not going to be as as athletic as he normally is. And I think that's a major hindrance to this offense uh, because it's going to force him to throw more. So with Jalen Daniels starting, doesn't matter the UCF quarterback, uh, I think Kansas, Kansas thirty-five, UCF will go twenty-eight. I think I think you're looking at a one-score game, but ultimately, I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter again. I think UCF will be able to hang with them, but it, it again, it really depends on how UCF does in the fourth quarter. Are they going to implode again like they did against Kansas State and Baylor, or are they going to be able to to keep right in, you know, good drive after good drive and and maybe stop Kansas in some of those situations? Jalen Daniels doesn't start. I think it's still going to be a high-scoring game, but I'll say let's go UCF thirty-two. We'll go. We'll go Kansas twenty. Twenty-one. We'll go. Go Kansas twenty-one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So so if Jalen Daniels doesn't play, you say UCF wins by twelve or eleven. If Jalen Daniels doesn't play, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll okay, go with wow. that. Yeah, we'll go with that. All right. Um, Might be a bold prediction, but listen, I, mean, I, I do listen, think, I'm sure I think, fans love it, so that's great. <laughs> I, I do not, for the record, have this much faith in this team. I am very concerned heading into this weekend, regardless of who starts. So the spread is Kansas one and a half 
Kansas is favored by only one and a half points, which I think, again, most of that is the question mark at quarterback. This is a game that nobody wants to bet because, again, you literally don't know who is going to be starting for either team. It is a mind trick. Who's going to play? Who's not going to play? Lance Leipold can say all he wants of hope. He hasn't practiced this week. I'm sure he hasn't, but ultimately, I'm sure you're saving saving his back problems and saying, hey, you don't need to practice all week. We know we could throw you out there on a Saturday, and you'll be okay. I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, I'm going to give two different scores. I personally don't think, now some UCF fans might not agree with this. I think in this game specifically, I don't see much of a difference between John Rice Plumley and Timmy McClain. Uh, I think, obviously, John Rice Plumley will make better decisions with the ball, hopefully. Uh, but, again, I think with John Rice, you're not, like, you want John Rice to be able to be John Rice. And I think his running ability would be something that this Kansas defense, I don't think, would be able to really do anything about. The problem is I think this def- this Kansas defense is just not that good. So I think Timmy McLean will be able to do what he wants against this Kansas defense regardless. So regardless if John Rice plays, Timmy McLean plays, I think it's going to be a similar score. Like We're going to score very similarly with either of them in. I was looking at Timmy's stats. And again, you can say all you want about Timmy McLean. I get it. He has made crucial mistakes in two games that have cost the team games. In three games, he's thrown for 872 yards, seven touchdowns, and two interceptions. So it's like, we can, you read that stat line to anybody else in the country, and they'll be like, uh, we'll take him. Like, that's where this, like, now watching him, again, he does make crucial mistakes. The interception on the right end zone uh, that was supposed to go to Randy Pittman gets intercepted by Baylor. I think that was a crucial, crucial point in the game. Gave Baylor a little bit of hype going into the fourth quarter, which ultimately then led Baylor to win the game. So I think for UCF specifically, I don't think it matters as much. Obviously, I'd love to see John Rice out there, but I think start to be McLean, let John Rice rest up for another week and move on. I think that is what you're going to see. With Kansas, I am expecting Jalen Daniels to play. I don't care what anybody says. He hasn't practiced, yada, yada, yada. They're going to put ice on it. They're going to do the heating pad. They're going to do on and off again for the entire week. And then Saturday, you'll see him running out on the field. If he does play, I think it's a 38-28 win for Kansas. Uh, Ultimately, I think it'll play very similar to the Kansas State game where UCF and Kansas are going to battle it out for basically the entire game. And then probably in the fourth quarter, Kansas makes one play and UCF just doesn't answer that play. Ultimately, I'm not going to pick UCF in the fourth quarter until they prove me that they can handle a fourth quarter. At the end of the day, against two Power 5 teams, you've lost 40 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Until I see something in the fourth quarter, I can't... Listen, you keep me in one through three, but in the fourth, you disappoint me. So, for right now, with Jalen Daniels playing, I'm going to go 38-28 with the hope that UCF will keep it ultra close and potentially steal one from Kansas late in the game. Regardless. Jason Bean is not a schmuck. I mean, for all the fans just assuming that with him playing, it's a, you know, dub for UCF. I mean, he's played in two games and thrown 412 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He can, and he's a veteran. He's a guy that's play like, again, he's a senior, junior, whatever you want to call him. Now, granted, again, he is not Jalen Daniels. But again, with an offense like this, who can run the ball, and again, he's not Will Howard, but you're getting a very similar type offense to what we saw against Kansas State. 
And what did you see against Kansas State? They pounded the football. They threw the, the, the short intermediate throws. They took what the defense gave you. And then when they get in the red zone, they kill you. I think that is what you're going to see with Jason Bean. That's what you're going to see with Kansas if he plays. And I'm sorry, Knights fans. I'm sorry to do it. I really am. But I think even with Bean playing, I think UCF still loses this game. Um, I think it's probably with Bean. Hmm. That's hard. You know, I'll say I'll give uh, a 31-28. Ultimately, again, do I think UCF can win this game? Absolutely. I have all the faith in the world. Just like I said with Kansas State, I think UCF has the talent. They have the personnel. Honestly, I think UCF, some fans might disagree, I think UCF's the better team. Straight up. You put these two teams completely healthy, I think UCF wins this game. I don't think with a healthy John Rice plumbing in the offense we have, and I think we do have the better defense, even though that's a little sus right now. Ultimately, I think UCF beats this Kansas team a bunch of times. Fortunately, just not how it is. But I do think Timmy McLean can do certain things against this Kansas defense that can keep UCF in it and potentially win. But right now, I cannot pick UCF until I see something out of this team. Until I see something in the fourth quarter. They show me something in the fourth quarter. Let's see where we're at for Oklahoma. Let's see. The team is good enough. UCF against the world. Listen, I'm a UCF podcaster, commentator, fan, and I'm picking against them. This should all be used as motivation for this team to say nobody thinks we've got a shot. Nobody thinks we've got a chance. We just lost two of our first games. A heartbreaker last week. I'm sorry, folks, if this is a bad game where we get blown out of the doors or we do not play well, it's going to be a rough season. It's going to be a rough season to come back from. But that's my prediction. I think UCF has a good shot, Rob, though. I really do. I think ultimately, if UCF plays their game, regardless of the quarterback, regardless, because UCF can put up points, I think regardless, UCF does have a really good chance to win this game. They just need to play their game and not fumble in the fourth quarter, not fumble the bag in the fourth quarter. If it's a tied game heading into the fourth, you better play it like it was last year against Tulane, where you go on a long eight-minute drive, put up a touchdown, and walk out of the building with the win. But give your final thoughts on the game uh, and a hopeful UCF dub uh, in Kansas on Saturday. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't have a lot of super big faith in this. And, and like I said, obviously, you know, if Bean starts, I, I kind of gave that prediction of, you know, a little bit more of a of a bigger gap, almost like a two score, two score game. I think you're probably a little bit more closer to what that would be. I think you're still looking at a three or, you know, one touchdown, one field goal style game. Um, you know, regardless of who starts, whether it's Jalen Daniels, I think it's if it's Jalen Daniels, it's going to be a higher score for sure. But no, I, I think going into this weekend, I think you're looking at, you know, the lowest. lowest expectations you can have and maybe that's for the better you know maybe that's for the better where you go in with this mentality that UCF's gonna lose uh and that the adversity is against UCF and we're not expecting anything so you don't get disappointed listen I will be fine and god um it's amazing how much our tones have changed from the last few weeks of what they've done to us but I will be okay if UCF goes into this game with with Jalen Daniel starting if they lose by a touchdown or they lose by a field goal, I'm okay with that on the road. I'm okay with that. I won't tear my hair out. I won't yell at the TV. I'll be fine. 
But if this team gets completely blown out, if they have another fourth, if, if they're close going into the fourth quarter again and they have another nuclear meltdown, uh, yeah, like you said, Sean, it's going to be a long season. And I really don't have a faith, by week or not, I don't have a lot of faith going into Oklahoma. I think I think all of us, most of us, are chalking that up to be a loss, automatic loss right now against Oklahoma on the road. So I, I don't know if this team's not four and two and they're they're going in, you know, uh, they're going in three and three. I I have a lot of concern going into Oklahoma, uh, and I think it it all depends on the fashion that they lose. If they get blown out and have another meltdown, I I think it's it's going to be a tough season. It's going to be very tough to get to a bowl game. Yeah, um, I'm definitely, obviously, I want to get you guys all out of here, make it not another hour-long pod, but um, I'm not chalking up Oklahoma as an automatic loss right now, surprisingly, surprisingly. I mean, after Baylor, you would think I would be in devastation mode, but I've watched Oklahoma football, and it is a winnable game. I think the Knights can really affect that Oklahoma defense with what they do offensively. like I said, Cincinnati carved up that Oklahoma defense. They just couldn't do anything in the red zone, which I guess we have that in common because we both can't do anything in the red zone. So that's why um, it's concerning. You're you are right, uh, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully, hopefully the Knights can figure it out on Saturday and get their first Big Twelve dub. It's going to be a tough one. There's no question, regardless of the quarterback, regardless of the situation. We came into the season knowing it would be a dogfight this game. And Kansas is going to want to avenge their last week loss against Texas, which, again, Texas is going to win the Big 12. There's no question. So it's like Kansas is a solid football team. They are a really good football team. They're probably a top five team in this conference. And UCF is going to go out, have to out, have to go out and prove, uh, prove themselves really early. And if it's like Rob said, tied in the third, you need to go into the fourth with that mentality of we're not going to let the fourth quarter beat us, you know. Play your, play your game. It's just another quarter. It's the last quarter, but just another quarter. All right, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. We will have the Kansas recap on Sunday, 8 a.m. We're starting to do that now. I think that's just better for everybody. Get either win or loss out of the way. Um, I know it's you know NFL Sunday, but I think that's been working for us. So we're going to continue to do that. So you get your previews on Thursday and your post games on Sunday. So be on the lookout for that we've got some new and exciting things coming up in the next couple weeks so please like subscribe comment share do all that you do we greatly appreciate it and we're looking forward to exciting things ahead and hopefully a ucf dub on saturday all right everybody this has been charge arms and i bet online we will see you on sunday Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.